Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, it's Rena Olson. Welcome to this episode of the Relevate Podcast. Well, this is one of those conversations that just truly rocked my world. Heather Funk Palacios has been a guest before. She's just, uh, oh man, she is an on-fire person. She is an advocate for people who struggle with mental health. She is battling for life for people who struggle. She is one of those herself who this has been a battle of hers since she was eight years old. A struggle to survive. She is amazing. She's doing great work. I know you will enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Friends, Heather Funk Palacios. Heather Palacios, welcome to the Relevate podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey, girlfriend. Welcome back to the Relevate podcast. So exciting. So the first time we chatted, we didn't have the benefit of video, which is just so much better to see your beautiful face. Oh, you too. Well, and we hadn't lived through a pandemic and a lot has changed since that first conversation. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, like tons. Yeah. So I will put in the the show notes the link to our previous conversation because it's really an amazing setup. Your struggles and the purpose of, you know, your heart and so much has happened since that conversation. So for those that haven't had a chance to listen, give us just a little bit of background about who you are in your life and kind of how we got here to today. Okay. Well, um, in a very short capsulated summary, uh, I am your, un- I'm pretty unorthodox, unconventional pastor's wife um, because I have been battling suicide since I was eight and I'm 48. And there's a huge story that, that goes along with that, but we'll put that over here. Um, as a result of that being my battle to this day and fiercely fighting it with great intention with God. Um, you throw in the pandemic and, you know, in, in my sphere, there was not people dying of COVID. There was people dying of overdose and suicide. And I was segregated from them because of the shutdown, but they were crying out to me and I was crying out to them and it wasn't good enough. I needed to give them something tangible, tactile, um, something with that they could hold. And so from my dining room, which is where I am right now, um, we started shipping life boxes, which included the essentials that I've needed for 40 years um, to fight back from my urge to, to take my life by suicide. And in a short 19 months of shipping life boxes, we've done 3,600 life boxes to 
46 states and 12 countries. Wow. And that wasn't even a blip on the radar last time we talked, the light boxes. No, no. So uh, talk to me about that first live box, kind of what the inspiration was, how that whole thing got started. All right. So it started as during November of 2020. Uh, historically, I go during the holidays, which would be November, December, and I visit the halfway houses in our community. I have a huge heart for them. They struggle with suicide. They struggle with addiction. Yes. Um, and they're often forgotten because yes. during the holidays, their families are, yay, we, they're there and yeah. we don't have to deal with them and we need this break. So, so, and that's okay, but they're forgotten. And I, and I feel that. So I will, I go to them and I bring a team with me and we dress up in weird Christmas outfits and we bring them life boxes um, as Christmas gifts. They're wrapped as Christmas presents, but I just, it's a win-win because they get a Christmas gift, but they get things that they will need to sustain themselves with God for the rest of their lives, which I believe is your Bible, your journal, and your pen. Um, and so, you know, during the pandemic, I wasn't able to go and do that, but I was able to go as Santa yeah, Claus girl. and drop them off to the halfway house. Oh, yeah. So That's we reached awesome. out to all the halfway houses and said, um, if we can do a drive-by, we will. If you'd rather us not, can we ship them all to you? And that's how it started. We mm. ended up, I believe, you know, either shipping or dropping off to 10 halfway houses, some here and some out of state. Mm. So that's and the life box, yeah. So the life box to each and every one of those addicts in recovery mm -hmm. included a Bible journal and a pen, yeah. every single one of them. Um, and in addition to that, because they are, addicts and recovery, we kind of curated it more for an addict with the other bells and whistles that we put in the box. And we made it Christmassy because it was Christmas time. And so when, when you send a life box to an addict, you can't put in hand sanitizer. Right. You can't put in sharp objects like a pencil. Mm. So, you know, the writing utensil, I had to think through all of that because mm. these were being curated specifically for addicts and recovery, but they all included a Bible journal and a pen and, and some Christmas tchotchkes. Well, my heart beats for those people too. So thank you for doing your part in initiating hope and healing for them because it's so important. And they probably wreaked havoc in their family. Chances are. Oh, that yeah. Is, yeah. You know, and the family's taking a break too. But yeah. to have somebody leaning in, providing a gift, saying, Hey, I see you. I, I got you. I'm here to help. I mean, it just makes me so happy that you thought through and to, to put together such a thoughtful, curated box specifically for that audience. Yes. Um, that is why, you know, I, I can't foresee the life box operation becoming an assembly line factory driven product because I will always curate them to that and that age, gender and severity of affliction for that individual because I, I don't want them to give up. You know, and I, and I have to stay in my lane. I cannot fix their addiction, right. their childhood abuse, their PTSD from being a veteran. I can't fix any of the issues surrounding their temptation to give up, right. but I know what that's like. And so I stay in my lane and the box is full of things that I've needed to help me not kill myself. Okay. I want to come back to the life boxes, but I want to talk a little bit about 
depths of despair. And that term just, it crushes my heart when I hear it, but it is the reality of what we're dealing with. And it's, people are not talking about it enough. What say you about where we are in this country in terms of, and I don't know if you can kind of articulate about death of despair, what that kind of includes and how they're, they're, it's all overlapping now. It's not just well, like, suicide. Well, what does it's it, not addiction. It's, it's well, tell me, tell me what it looks like to you because you're getting, I, I mean, I can hear it in your voice. What, what is, do you mind if I, I mean, what is it to you? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the term that I keep hearing that it's killing our young people, you know, deaths of despair. They're lumping it together, suicide, um, addiction, overdose, really kind of the mental health issues, uh, toxicity, liver toxicity from drinking mm-hmm. too much. You know, it's really kind of all one thing. It's not just mm-hmm. suicide. It's not just addiction. You know, it's mental health. It's all of that is just, it's, it's yeah. all together. And yeah. as a nation, as a, as a country, you know, there's still such stigma around addiction and mental health. And we just need to stop it because it's a health concern that's killing our people. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do the funerals for them. I mean, I will never forget during the pandemic. Oh, gosh, I hate even reliving it. But during the pandemic, this poor woman kept reaching out to me. She was so desperate for her sister who kept attempting to take her life. And this sister was trying to keep her alive. And I got involved and I got um, Christian therapists involved and I got uh, psychiatric centers involved and literature involved. And we were just doing everything we could. And, and she, she killed herself. And I, have, I had to work through quickly that sense of failure that this death of despair was an unnecessary grief. Right. And I can speak to that because it's my battle as well. Right. And, you know, I had to do, I, they asked me to do the funeral. Mm-hmm. And I had to do the funeral in a beautiful funeral home that only allowed the front row of 15 people because of the pandemic. And the daughter was in the front center seat and everybody else in attendance was on zoom. And it was the darkest vortex of despair one could be in for everybody that was there, you know? I didn't even know, and, and, and just to, to even further, the family is not a family of faith. So they asked me to please not use the name Jesus in my eulogy or sermon. And I was like, this is the bottom of the bottom. And I'm still alive. And so I've got to do something in my little corner of the world so that this doesn't happen one more time. I know what it's like to live a few minutes before dying repeatedly. I know what those last minutes are like. And I am a voice for that because I'm still here and can speak to it. And whatever the despair of anybody is, young or old, the answer is not death. It is not, that's not an option. In the multiple choice, 
of what to do in the depths of absolute despairing hell, the answer is not death. And so what is the answer? Well, we, well I'm going to help people know what the answer is yeah. by continuing to live despite that temptation and getting to people the essentials I've needed myself to keep going. So being a nurturing person that I am, I, I worry about you and this additional heartache that you were taking on as a soldier of God to just save one person at a, at a time. But in God's upside down kingdom, that's how it works. It's like when you give yourself away in that capacity, it actually can help heal are you finding that to be true in your situation? I know it's got to be so hard, but. Yeah, I can't, you know, and, and here's what, it's hard, but it's complicated because who do I go to? I don't know anybody that's doing this. And so I don't have a mentor, a guru, an expert. I have found myself utterly desperate for the whispers of God every day because that is really the only mentor and expert in the field that I have. And so in, in moments, in blips during the day, when it's a lot where I'm battling this temptation to go in my garage and take my life, but I have to do a podcast on how to live and send 40 life boxes to a halfway house. I will, you know, I will look for the moment where I can reach out to my mentor for some advice. And I find him in very generic, cheap places like the sunrise, Mm -hmm. the magnolia that bloomed on the tree in the backyard, the sound of a breeze through the palm trees. Mm -hmm. That breeze to me is, is, is God responding to me? Um, it's how he responded to Elijah. It was a gentle whisper in the in a breeze. So you, my senses can be very aggravated and triggered, but they're also a very acute to God talking to me or sending me a message. Amazing. So, okay, I kind of go like tactical here. Um, You are organized as a nonprofit and I'm sure you would love donations to help offset. I can't imagine the cost that your organization is incurring to provide, you know, these packages. So how can people help support you financially? Thank you. You're so kind to bring that up and ask. I would never ask it because I'm I'm really bad at that, (laughs) but um, I'll show you right here. Can you see my t-shirt? Yeah. Wonderful.com. Yeah. So that has a a link or there's a a donation option on on my website. And I'll tell you really frankly, I'm getting ready to travel to Uvalde, Texas in two weeks. Uh -uh. And we are taking 500 grief life boxes, Spanish, English, and children curated to each of those three demographics. We are going to, um, you know, and just pray for me because I, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. I, 
I don't have contacts there. I, I just, I just know that Marjorie Stillman Douglas in Parkland, Florida is three miles from my house. And after that school shooting, sadly, suicides followed. I know that in Columbine, I met one of the survivors of Columbine and sadly, he ended up taking his life. So I know that a response to a school shooting grief can be suicide. And again, staying in my lane, I can't fix the gun issue. I can't fix their grief, but I don't want anyone to die by suicide in Uvalde, Texas. And so I said, God, here I am, send me. And so very blindly going to Uvalde, I'm gonna speak at a small church on, a, on June 26th in the morning at 1030. And then that church and I will drive to Uvalde where we will connect with a Spanish church and an English church and distribute 500 grief life boxes. Oh gosh. Yes, I could use some help for that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You got to get better about asking for help because people want to help support. You just, you yeah. have to let them know that you need help. Um, I'm not good. At, I'm, I'm going to text you a picture of what the grief life box looks like. So you have it I would love um, that. That, that we're taking. I would love Love that. Well, I just, um, you're so, you're just so funny and so out there. I mean, I think you're, <laughs> you just right? made me laugh. And, you know, <laughs> nobody would look at you and think that you have such a struggle. You've got, you know, beautiful family, pastor's wife, do, you know, just you're on fire and, I think it's just good for people, for you to be open and saying, hey, it, it can happen to anybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I keep in my notes, um, in my phone, the list of the pastors who have died by suicide. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't look at it often, but I do keep that list there. And I knew some of them. And I, I just keep it as a stark reminder that I don't want to be on that list. Mm -hmm. And so I have to work really hard, especially because I know that if they were still alive, we would be working together. And I think so. I love that you're blazing a trail for the church because the church is best when it's in the trenches, helping people who truly need help. And yeah. again, it's just, um, it's an area that's been, you know, largely overlooked, untapped. It's, it's, it's messy. Uh, it's, it's hard to be in that, in that trench helping yeah. these people. So, you know, and I, and I, you know, and, and, and honestly, for the last 20, 20 years of being a spokesperson for no suicide as a pastor's wife, you know, that's probably been where I've gotten the most resistance is church leadership. Mm. And, and I will not let my heart get bitter. And I'm not, I'm not going to take up that argument. I don't feel called to that. I'm staying in my lane. I just don't want people to die. But God has, a, I actually have compassion on church leadership, you know, not, not, I'm not mad at them that they don't want me to come in and speak. I, I feel bad. I think it's because when they went through seminary and theology and divinity, nobody talked about suicide. There was no course, no training, no education. It's a, it's a aloof topic. And so I don't blame them for not wanting to get up in the pulpit and speak to something that they, they can't speak to, you know? Um, 
But however, I do pray earnestly if they would give me a chance to once in a while come in and speak to their church, because I will, mm. you know. Um, and in the meantime, you know, I just have, I got to keep my nose to the ground and just stay in my lane and keep making boxes. Right. Right. So I don't know how to ask this question gently, so I'm just going to kind of throw it out there. I know in some Christian traditions, some faith traditions, that um, if you take your life by suicide, mm-hmm. you're condemned to hell. Or Correct. Not. Help me understand Correct. how you push back on that, how you counsel people about that one. Yeah. So I, that is the hardest question, of course, the one that's most often asked. <laughs> and the second most often asked is, how's your husband stay married to you? Which is a great question. <laughs> but um, I, I will man. answer that. I've had, to, I've had to go to God and say, God, I'm getting this question. I need, your, I need your wisdom. I need an answer. In confidence, I can tell you that between the Bible and praying and my experience, I do have an answer. And my answer is, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you take your life by suicide, you do not go to hell. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you take your life by suicide, I don't know. Because I don't know what you did and said with your personal Savior in your last moments. And I'm not going to act like I should know. I don't know. But I do know you go to hell. If I would commit suicide tonight, I would go to heaven. That being said, it's not an option. It is not an out. That I know from the Bible because I know Elijah wanted to die. And I know that the jailer that was overseeing Paul and Silas wanted to die. And I know Jonah and Moses and Job wanted to die and they didn't. And I know Paul said, I would rather be in heaven, but for your sakes, I will keep living. Yes. So I know that if we commit suicide, it is a sin, but it is not a sin that sends us to hell. And it is not an option because God brought us into this world on our birthday. We had nothing to do with it. And we have nothing to do with when he takes us home. I love, love that answer. Absolutely love it. Thanks. Okay. So for people who, family members who are survivors, who've lost a loved one to suicide, yeah. how, how do you begin to provide comfort to them? Because I know that guilt is always associated with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I meet with the families. They, I've, had, I've had the families say, we would like to show you, you know, the room where they did it. Um, I think that might be a a phase or a step in their healing to show me it's not a step of healing for me. That's, um, but here's when I go to these families or people who have lost someone to suicide, it all the more makes me realize that I cannot die by suicide. Yes, I can take my life and I'll be good to go. But am I okay with leaving thousands of victims forever hurting with an open wound and no answer in my wake? Am I okay with that? 
you know, I've, I've had so many conversations with my husband, you know, he has been able to stick with me for 22 years, which is unprecedented. I think a lot of men would have bailed. There has been evenings where he came home and was afraid to open up the garage. That's not, that's not a fun marriage, but he has stayed with me and we've talked so much and, you know, I've asked him how, you know, how do you sum up being married to someone like me? And he's like, it's God's job to save you. And it's my job to love you. And if Raul would be speaking at my funeral, because I would take my life, he would stick to that conviction. Mm. It was my job to love her. And it was God's job. That's to save her. And that's between her and God. And I can't carry that cross. Um, it's, it's just, we do a lot of grief life boxes, a lot. You know, I know that there have been people that have died by suicide and their loved one couldn't bear it. So they took their life by suicide. Um, I met a woman last night whose son and daughter have both died last year. And her husband also died. One was an overdose. One was a car accident. One was a heart attack. You, I couldn't even find the words. And I didn't try to. That's when you have to step up your sense of touch and silence your sense of mouth. There are not words for someone that's lost someone to suicide. It is, it is the most unnecessary of griefs and unanswerable of questions. And so I don't try to talk. I try to hold, hug, sit with, wrap. I wipe snot from their nose. I wipe tears from their eyes. I take mascara off that's flaking. I take the snarls out of their hair. It's just touch. So beautiful. So hard. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I cry with them. We need an army of you doing that. We yeah. Need an army God, of you. God, God equips me in those moments. I remember one time I was getting highlights at a salon and I had those foils in my hair and my head was like this big <laughs> with all those foils. Yeah. And my stylist came to me and she said, um, my coworker just got a call that her dad killed himself. She's collapsed in the parking lot behind the building. You're the only one here. Can you do anything? And I got up with the foils in my hair and I went out to the back of the parking lot behind the salon where she had collapsed. And I sat down next to her and I put my arms around her and that was it. That was all, that was, was all I did. And you can't say it's going to be all right because it's, no. it's not. You cannot say no. that. So nope. people don't tell people it's going to be all right because it's not. And don't tell them you understand. Right. Don't tell them you understand because the person they lost, that's the only one of that person in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. So we don't understand. The mother that lost a son, that is the only mother of that mother in the world. That's the only son of that son in the world. There's not a duplicate. So we don't understand. Right. So you don't say that either. That's why it's just, 
silence in the sense with your mouth and just really engage the sense of touch. And to let them know that you're there. And another thing well-meaning people say is, let me know how I can help. That's like the worst thing you can say. They are not going to Yeah, I don't say that. I don't say that. I've learned by my mistakes to not say that. I don't say, let me, let me know how I can help. I say, this is what I'm going to do. And I don't let them say no. (laughs) And, and and then I do it. I don't ask for permission. I don't ask them to think about it. I don't say, get back to me. You know, the girl in the parking lot, the girl in the parking lot. I, I said, this is what I'm going to do for you. Cause I, you know, I know she doesn't want to sit in the parking lot forever and, and she didn't probably want me to, but I wrote down my cell phone number and I, um, and I left that with her and I said, I can help you with getting help for you and I can help you plan the funeral if you need. And here's my number and I'm praying for you. And then I left. I didn't ask her if I could do that. Right. I just did it. Right. Um, you're right. Don't say, let me know how I can help. Yeah. yeah. No. Not, not helpful. And people, people are well-intentioned. It's just, it's, it's a really hard thing. So I'm so thankful yeah. that we're they, having they this conversation. Yeah. The griever doesn't need intention. The griever needs action. Mm-hmm. And if you can't think of an action, then don't compensate for that with intention. Right. You're better off leaving and praying for them than giving them an intention. And I just learned, I've just learned all this from, from, you know, I'm not the expert. It's just what I've learned from, from doing this for so long. Okay. So let's, let's bounce back to those boxes, those live boxes. What are kind of the different types? Yeah. So we've done, um, like I said, we've done 3,600. I got an account yesterday. The most recent count is. Dun, 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 drum roll, please. 3,643 life boxes in 19 months to 46 states and 12 countries. Um, and we, every single life box has the same essentials in it. A Bible, a journal, a pen, a choose life wristband, tissues, the suicide lifeline card, a handwritten card to them with actual pen and paper, not typed, not mass produced. We handwrite a personal card for every single light box. And then in addition to that, based on the recipient's plight, we will add other, I call them tchotchkes, which is a Jewish word for like knickknacks. So we do grief life boxes, student life boxes, depression life boxes, cutting life boxes, addiction life boxes, depression life boxes, anxiety life boxes, suicide life boxes, PTSD life boxes, military life boxes, Spanish life boxes. I can't, I think, uh, eating disorder life boxes, trauma life boxes, whatever their affliction is. And then you do survivor boxes too, or is that? Yes. Like that's the grief. That would be like the grief life box. Someone that, someone that is grieving the loss of a suicide, someone that has attempted suicide, they get a suicide life box. Got it. Um, And we don't ask questions. There is no criteria. 
I have a pretty unrelenting conviction about that, that I've had to gently communicate to my team. We don't ask questions. Yeah, but Heather, the request came in and they're struggling because they had to put their cat to sleep. Okay, then they get a, then they get a grief life box. Because I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to determine their struggle. But if they requested a life box, I don't care what the reason is, we're sending a free life box. Or we'll get like, Heather, this one person has requested, you know, four life boxes for each person in their home because they lost their cousin to suicide. Good. All four are going to get a life box. You know, I just... I'm not going to be the determiner of people's pain. I just don't want them to die. So amazing. So uh, in our previous conversation, you called yourself a prodigal daughter. Oh, yeah. Share with us a little bit more about that. I love. Oh, my gosh. That I'm a pastor's wife. That's like the biggest like double standard or oxymoron or one of those words of all times. Because I, I mean. I, I was, I was a very bad kid and I was a bad teenager and I was a bad college student and I was a bad young adult. And by bad, I mean, I don't even want to tell you guys the specifics. Let's just say <laughs> nothing, nothing good, nothing good Leave it to the imagination. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're battling suicide. So, I mean, I don't know how I got out of that 20 year gap of being a Christian and not acting like a Christian and battling suicide. I don't know. I barely survived it, but I did. And so, you know, that's part of my story too, is um, there is nothing that you did that Jesus can't forgive. And there is nowhere you can go to that Jesus can't get to. And I love how he's using you. Thank you. Incredible, incredible way. Uh, Talk to me about the importance of speaking life to the enemy of death. Yes. Good question. So there's an enemy and we call him the devil or Satan or whatever, you know, in the Bible, he's called different things, but there is good and there is evil and there is God and there is the enemy. And all of us are in the middle of both because they're both fighting for us. And the enemy wants to steal my organization and destroy my family and kill me. It's in the Bible. And, and God wants me to have life. And so I, I have the power within me because I have God in me to defeat the enemy's tactics to kill me. I have everything I need inside of me. If I was deserted on an island with nothing and no one, I still have everything I need to defeat the enemy's desire for me to die. I don't need medication, uh, counseling, life group, an organization. I mean, literally, if you have Christ in you, you have everything you need. but you have to, but I've had to be very strategic because the enemy over the years has become, he's so strategic and sly at what he says in my head to get me to kill myself. 
um, during the pandemic, during 2020, I did have an unfortunate I, encounter with suicide again. I just, I did, you know, I've had to be, my integrity demands that I got to be real about it. So 2020 in spring, I found myself at home alone during the shutdown. And I own that. I shouldn't have been by myself. I was just depressed and I, I shouldn't have been alone. But he started to whisper things like, have you ever thought about how embarrassing it is to be married to you? Have you ever thought about how embarrassing it is for your teenage sons to have you of all people, of you of all moms, be their mom? And that was very believable in that moment. I hadn't thought about that. And it must be embarrassing. I'm not your average pastor's wife and I'm not your average pastor's mom. And so I started to make a plan and act on that. And, you know, I, I just had to do what I've preached. I've had, I had to practice what I preach. And that is when you're in that vulnerable situation of whether you're going to live or die, you got to call someone. Period. That's it. That's only, that's two words. Call someone. I've been saying that for 20 years because whoever you call, isn't going to encourage you to do it. And so I did, I got out of the garage and I went inside and I powered on my phone and I called a, um, a lifeline for pastors. I practice what I preached. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's, it's it can't be easy being you. <laughs> No, it's weird. It's really, it's, it's, it is bipolar. Well, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's that joy and despair. You can hold them in your, in both hands at the same time. They can mm -hmm. coexist. They can coexist. It is true. It's true. You're just a student of, um, you know, you've, you've developed these tools and the rigor. You, you know how to survive. You're a yeah. survivor. You're yeah. many things, but you're, you're a survivor and you're a yeah. fighter. And um, I just love your spirit. You have an indomitable spirit. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> Some people say other words, but I like your word. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, talk about there's only one you. You know, you're Yeah, just, there is. Yeah, that's the only reason why we can't kill ourselves is because you know, if all humanity is represented by a jigsaw puzzle box, every single stinking human being right now uh, in this moment on planet Earth that's breathing represents a jigsaw puzzle piece in a jigsaw puzzle box. And we would just say, God, put the puzzle together. And he's like, okay. And he puts the whole jigsaw puzzle together and I kill myself. Well, you know, you can't go back to the box and find a backup piece of me. You can't go to the jigsaw puzzle box and find a piece and kind of contort it to fit into the space that was intended for my piece. Exactly. I'm it. Right. I'm all humanity has. And I need to be her. Yeah, you do. Yeah, And you, you need to be her, him or her. That's how valuable we are. We're, the, we're so valuable. We're so priceless that we're the only one of us. Mm -hmm. And we... We forget that. I mean, I think a lot yeah. of us don't ever really fully embrace that truth. Yeah, I see the, you know, the landscaper guy mowing the lawn in this blazing heat with, you know, scars on him and not shaven and dirty clothes. And I'm like, you know what? He, you are the only one of you. Mm -hmm. You matter to the puzzle. Right. 
there's not another one of you. I see everybody like that. So fantastic. So we talked about how to financially support the organization. If you or a loved one needs one of your life boxes, how do you go about getting a life box or sending one to a loved so, one? That's right. So you just go to wonderful.com. Can you see it? I can see it. And there's an H in there. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> W-O-N-D-H-E-R-F-U-L.com. Click on life box, request enter your information and we'll send one. Awesome. And I'm sure you will travel to speak to churches, to youth groups, to. Oh, I'll go anywhere. I speak at halfway houses, prisons. Uh, I've had this yoga facility bring me in and speak to the yogis. I'll go anywhere. I don't say no to anybody. I love that, Heather. I'm so thankful to be connected to you, to call you friend, to just cheer you on. You are making such a difference. I mean, wow. Talk about living a life of on purpose, out loud, getting out there, making a difference, listening to God's call on your life, despite the fact that you're dealing with a whole lot of, a whole lot of brokenness, but you just keep going. Love it so much. You. you inspire me in so many ways. I'm just thank so you. thankful. For thank you. you for encouraging me today. Thank you for encouraging me. Keep going, sister. You just are rocking it. Okay. Okay. I can't <laughs> wait to talk soon. Go with prayers to you, Valdi. I mean, oh man, wow. Our, our collective hearts breaking for those people. And it'll be a long-term trajectory. I mean, that community, that, uh, yeah. It's just so sad, but I'm glad you were doing something about it. We all can do something. And I think that's so many times we feel helpless in the face of tragedy or brokenness and listen to the wind, listen to what you can do and then do it. Hey, and if any of your listeners want to make a donation for the Lifebox items, again, just go to wonderful.com and click on sponsor because we we're almost, we, I want to take 500 and we're almost there, but not quite. Oh yeah. sister. And what does it cost uh, roughly for one life? Box? $15. $15. Come on listeners. Let's just, uh, <laughs> let's, pay, let's pay for a whole lot of boxes for Uvalde and for the future. Yeah. So yes. important. Let's save some yes. lives. Okay. Yes. My dear, I just, I'm so thankful for you. Keep shining. Okay. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye friend. What a conversation. What a woman. What a warrior. Oh my gosh. Let's support the work she's doing with Wonderful and these life boxes. It's just a $15 investment for one box. I know many of us can can sponsor a box, perhaps many, many boxes. So uh, go there now and make a donation. Let's get these boxes for Uvalde funded right away. And um, yeah, a gift and wonderful is a gift for somebody choosing life for the future. So please support her effort. She is the real deal. She is in the trenches making it happen. Uh, if you need a box, if you know of a loved one who needs a box, just uh, reach out to the website, fill out that form, and uh, please request it. And know that a box will be coming your way or to your friend's way with no questions. Ask friends, mental health, 
deaths of despair, suicide, addiction. Let's just keep the conversation going and let's do something about it. I'm Rena Olson and this is Relevate.